the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Right, all right. Well, we have a wonderful children's department. We have a wonderful youth department. And every time I talk to the little children when they come out of the service, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I can't wait to come back. I'm coming back next Sunday. And I'm sure you'll find that that's true if you've brought your children here today. And a couple of people, our faithful workers back there, Miranda uh, Bridges and Kaylee Allen, have put together a video that they, they shot a lot of it last Sunday uh, for Mother's Day. So you mothers who have children that, that are regular attenders, um, we want to show you a very special video that they created for you. I love my mom because she was there for us, she provided for us, and she loved us with all her heart. I love my mom because she strives for the things that we want just to make us happy. Because she loves me. Say, I love mommy. I love mom. I love my mom because she feeds me. I love my mom because she spends a lot of money for me. I love my mom because she turns on my TV. I love my mom that help me clean my room. I love my mom because she's she's always on her tip top when I ask for stuff. And and she loves me when I'm being stupid. I love my mom because she's the most loving person I know and she's always good at giving advice. Alright, I love my mom because she cares for me and she loves me even when I'm in the breath. 
I love my mom because she's always been there for me. No matter what I want to do, she supports me and she never lets me down and always makes sure that I'm okay. I love my mom because she's my best friend and she's there for me with when it seems. And she believes in me before I even believe in myself. And she's there for me all my life. And she's my number one support. I love my mom because she's always been there for me, even when I push her away. And she just loves and cares about me way more than I realize sometimes. So shout out to Mary McCall. I love you, girl. You're literally the best. <laughs> I see some mamas wiping their tears from their eyes. Well, are th we're not through yet. They have a little something for you. I thought last Sunday was a little slice of heaven on earth. Close your eyes. Can we give our children's workers a big hand? Especially those mothers who are back there taking care of our children today on Mother's Day. What a blessing. Amen. Mothers are always trying to make life fun. Let me show a picture uh, of one of my Christmases. I guess I was 10 or 11 years old. Now don't laugh. This is me and me and my brother and my mama. <laughs> I said, don't laugh. <laughs> Just because we're wearing pink and white Elvis suits. <laughs> my grandmama handmade those suits and she was trying to start a tradition in the family. My mom bought me the belt I'm wearing. You probably can't see it. Can you hit that next picture? It's a zooming in on that belt buckle I got there. It says guy in big brass letters. My mama was trying to start a tradition. You can cut it back on, light back on. She was trying to start a tradition of uh, putting our name on everything. I mean, I've got pictures of us going to SeaWorld and stuff and my, got guy on the back of every shirt. And, and my mom was like one of those iron-on junkies. She had to put her name on. So she was trying to start a tradition. My grandmama was trying to start a tradition. Which tradition do you think lasted? <laughs> I got a hint. I, I don't like pink. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now that's my graduation picture there. That's got to be seven or eight years later. I'm still wearing that belt buckle mama got me. <laughs>
oh, mamas or something else. They try to make life fun. You know, I went to a funeral earlier this week. A friend of mine's mom passed away, and his older brother there, his younger brother was there. I hadn't seen him in years. And three grown men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s sitting on the front row there at their mama's funeral just weeping like babies, crying over mama. You know, you don't outgrow mamas. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I think about mamas, I think about two things pr- primarily. I think about love, and I think about family. Mama's always trying to make family special. Ephesians 1 5 said, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. See, God, he created family, it's his idea. And I think that's why he gave us mamas to hold families together. And did you know you were adopted, by the way? If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you were adopted. You were chosen by God. It says right here that he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. In other words, removing the sin wall that had separated us for sending his own son who took that wall away. He paid the penalty for our sin. And this is what, it, this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Why? Because God loves family too. It was his idea from the beginning that we would have a natural family and now we have a church family, an everlasting family. So we've been in a series entitled Resurrecting My Life. And we, we just came right out of Easter Resurrection Sunday and began to talk about The same power that raised Christ from the dead, that raised Him from death, is now in us. And how is that supposed to apply to our lives? How is it supposed to help us resurrect things? And so we've been talking about the different areas of our life. And since I knew today was Mother's Day, and since I knew mamas, when you think of mamas, you think of what? Family. I'm going to entitle today's message, Resurrecting the Family. Resurrecting the family. I knew mamas. I see some people nodding their heads. Because how many knows our families in this generation need to be resurrected? Now, family is a gift to us all. But with family comes issues. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, issues. Got it? <laughs> if you got a family, you're going to have some what? Issues. As family members, we should treat each other better than everybody else. We got saved and we became all loving and love the neighbors and as ourselves and we love the world and we're smiling all the time and we're happy out in public and then we get home and we mistreat our own family, the ones that we should love the most. We're rude to them, we neglect them, and we take them for granted many times. And I think it's maybe has something to do with you know, you're growing up in the same house in close proximity and uh, you, you just get this, fl- how you say it, familiarity. And you just feel like, it's you, you know, all these years you've been uh, 
ribbing one another and joking with one another. And, and now it's got to a point where that's all it is about now is the ribbing and the joking. And you don't treat them with any love or any respect. Turn to Matthew 13, verse 55. And we just thought it was our family, huh? But I want you to know, it's always been like this. My ear is itching. The thing's stuck in my ear and I can't get to it. All right. <laughs> I mean, there's been conflicts in families since the very first family. Cain killed his brother Abel, right? Hopefully it ain't that bad in your family today. <laughs> But Matthew 13, 55, Jesus goes home to preach. He started his ministry. He's healing people. He's seeing deliverance. He's casting out devils. And all these things are happening all where he goes to preach. And he decides to go home to preach back to Galilee to the people that know him the best. And you would think what? That they, was, they would be the ones putting the palm trees down and shouting, Hosanna, here comes our man. We know him. But guess what? In verse 55, it says, after, after they had heard him preach, it says they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And all his sisters live right here among us. Say familiarity. We know him. Surely he couldn't be doing nothing good. All his sisters and everybody, they're all, where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. His own hometown. Then Jesus told him a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he only did a few miracles there because of their unbelief. They were a little too familiar with him. They remembered the little boy growing up. And sometimes we brothers and sisters, we can remember the dumb things that we did growing up. But when we grow up and we grow out of those things and we grow into the things that God has for us, sometimes we forget that we can change. Fives can change. Yous can change. We alls can change, you know. John 7, 5 says even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus is raising people from the dead and feeding 5,000 with a little sack lunch, calming the wind and the waves, and still his own brothers didn't believe in him. They did after the resurrection. In fact, his brothers after the resurrection, after they saw him die on the cross and, and come back to life, another proof of the resurrection, they began to follow him. And they begin to be some of the most powerful disciples. And so today's family, I believe we need a God-powered resurrection. I think that's what we need. We need that resurrection power that raised Christ to begin to raise families again here in America. Because we have lost the concept of family in America. We have not placed importance on the family like we should. So I'm going to name some things that we can do, some helpful hints that I see in the Bible, in the Word of God. What does a resurrection do, first and foremost? New life. That's good. A fresh start, doesn't it? And what does a fresh start require within the family structure, typically? Forgiveness. 
We need to give everyone in our family a clean slate. We need to just say, God, I give it over to you. I know there was hurts. I know, you know, we had this past and these things have gone on and I wasn't treated and I feel like this and they feel like this and we don't get along. But if we want a resurrection in our life, that resurrection power that raised Christ was the love of God. And we need to let that love of God flow through us and cause a resurrection of forgiveness in our family. There was two brothers that we see in the Bible. One was Esau and one was Jacob. Now Jacob, he was a swindler and he, he stole his own brother's birthright. That means that, you know, he was the older brother and he was supposed to get most of inheritance from his dad. Jacob swindled him out of it, his own brother. And then when his dad went to give a blessing to Jacob or to Esau because he was the older son, then Jacob swooped in and stole that too. And so he's tried all his years in the house with his brother Esau, he's tried to rob his brother. And he goes off and for 14 years he gets swindled. And 14 years later he's coming back home and his brother Esau meets him halfway. What do you think Jacob's thinking? Uh-oh. I'm in trouble. I have robbed my brother. I have stolen from him. I have practically ruined his life. I know he's stronger than me. He's coming to kill me. For 14 years, I've been running from what I've done. But now, the day of reckoning is here. And he comes and he bows before his brother Esau. And Esau comes running up and gives him a big bear hug. And kisses him on the cheek and said, it's good to see you, Jacob. And Jacob looks at his brother Esau. And he says, your face looks like the face of God. And I bet it did. And your face will never look more like God. When you have that unconditional love and that, that type of forgiveness that you're willing to let things go and heal the relationship and give somebody a fresh start. Isn't that what the resurrection was all about? Because He lives, we can live. Because He had a fresh start, we can have a fresh start. Didn't He come to give you a fresh start? And so shouldn't we give our brothers and sisters and our mothers and our fathers and our sons and our daughters a fresh start? What about Joseph? Same thing. His brothers threw him in a well, sold him into slavery, would have killed him. And then many years later, Joseph has now risen to second in charge of all of Egypt. He's in charge of the grain, and his brothers are starving to death, and they have to come before him. What do you think Joseph does? Well, I'm not giving you anything. You guys tried to kill me. No. Same thing. Joseph. A man of God goes and he embraces his brothers and weeps with them and cries and he forgives them. And that's what we need to do. God knew forgiveness is a family necessity. You're not going to have a good family relationship with no forgiveness. If you're one of those people that hold on and hold grudges, you're probably pushing an old shopping cart full of hurts from your past and you're bound to it. And you'll never run your race and you'll never be free as long as you're holding on everything that your brother did, everything that your mother did. And often we as kids, we look back with hindsight, Monday morning quarterbacking, and we, 
you know, got a whole list of things that we hold against our parents. But if you'd be honest with yourself, maybe times wasn't as hard as you thought they were. Maybe things weren't as bad. Maybe mama was loving you more than you thought. Maybe your just rebellious nature remembers it in a certain way. Now, I'm not saying some of us didn't have rough childhoods and, and mamas did everything right. I'm not saying that. But I am saying we need to forgive. Micah 7.18 <coughs> says, Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of His special people? When it says special people there, you could just say family. Because that's who God's special people are. That's what God is after. Family. And you will not stay angry with your people forever. Say family. Don't stay angry forever. Because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. And you will trample our sins under your feet. And throw them into the depths of the ocean. Let's just let it go. Let's just start over and see if things will go better from here. I wrote down three other things. They all started with this. So, you know how preachers are. They put everything in threes. Families need support, sacrifice, and structure. Support, sacrifice, and structure. What do I mean by support? We should support one another, at least as far as our godly endeavors and stuff. I mean, if your brother jumps up and says, I'm starting a strip club down on Brooks Road. You want to go in with me? You say, no, wait a minute. I'm not supporting that. Okay? You don't support. You, you, sometimes you got to show tough love, and you, you, you say, no, I'm not supporting that. But if your sister jumps up and says, hey, I'm going to start a worm farm, and you're like, you don't understand it. You think it's a waste of money or whatever, but that's what's in their heart to do. Why don't you just support them? Why don't you say, go for it. If God's given you the desire to do that, go for it. We need support. Do you know when my mom had moved off to Florida and I didn't get to see her every day, anything that I would do good, I would call home. I would call mama, say, mama. My band played at this big show and there was so and so many people there, you know. And, or I wrote this song and this producer's looking at it. Or this or that. Or I made an A in my computer science class or whatever. Our hearts long for some support. And we should get it at home. Mamas, you've been given a lot of support throughout the years. Thank you. Thank you for all the support you've given. Mary, not this Mary, but, but I'm sure you would have done the same thing. Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know what I think her biggest moment of support for Jesus was? Was when they were nailing him to that cross. Now, come on, some of you mothers. <laughs> you would have been like crazy. You'd have been screaming. You'd have been flailing to get to those people. you got to stop this. You Or some of you just wouldn't have shown up. I can't take it. My heart can't take it. You'd have been crazy. Come on now. But Mary, knowing this is what Jesus came to do, He had already told Mama, Mama, this is why I'm here. I come to make all things new. She could have stayed away. 
But she was right there at his feet. But she kept her mouth quiet because she was there to support what her son was doing, even though it was ripping the very heart out of her ribcage. Can you imagine the pain of seeing your son go through what he was going through? But mama was not going to hide in a corner somewhere. Mama was there just to, to support And wives, husbands, you can set the example in the house. Support one another. I think about Sarah and Abraham. You know, they were living the good life. They were rich, had many cattle and everything, and nice homes, and they were living in a, a place called Haran. And and they were living amongst family, and everything was going fine. So they're about 80 years old now. And this it's time to retire. You know, Abraham was looking at getting an RV. They were going to hit the road and do some travel. I don't know what they were doing, but they, they were set. And God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to leave your father and mother. I want you to go out from here, and I want you to dwell in tents. And I want you to go to a place where I will show you. Now, some of you wives, if your husband came back and you done spent your whole life putting everything together and he says, well, God told me that we're to leave all this behind and go. You say, husband, you done bumped your head. <laughs> I ain't going with you. You crazy. But Sarah said not a word. Now that's not only support, that's support and sacrifice. And that leads us to the second part of those three S's, right? Sacrifice. That's a word we don't like to talk about in today's society. We don't understand the word sacrifice. We live in a society where people kill their children just for convenience. And it's not just mamas, not just women who do it. It takes two to tango. There's always a man involved. And a lot of times it's the man pressuring them to make that decision. We live in crazy times where probably often is not young mamas and daddies give up their children, let their grandparents take care of them so that they can go pursue their own interest. And nobody understands a, a lick about sacrifice. But I think of uh, the Gentile mother that came to Jesus. She said, Jesus, my daughter is tormented with the devil. Would you heal her? And this was a Gentile woman. That means that she wasn't a Jew. And Jesus knew what he came to do. His part of the equation he said i only do what the father tells me to do i came to, to deal with the jews and then we'll deal with the gentiles later but jesus had this awesome ability to draw faith out of people to put them in circumstances where he would play a part until he till he drew faith out of people and he, he may be doing that in your life you may have something that you're believing god for and it just ain't coming and you want to quit, and he's pushing you to a place of faith. 
to see how much you really believe. He's testing us. Anyway, this Gentile woman says, my daughter, she's, she's got this demon, Jesus, I need you to heal her. And Jesus says, I've not come, but only for the Jews. It wouldn't be right. And just check this out. He said, it wouldn't be right for me to throw the children's bread to the dogs. Jesus called this woman a dog. What would you do? Well, I came here to get your help. But thank you very much. You done insulted me. I am leaving. What would you do? You'd probably do more than that. I've seen some of them videos of them people throwing tacos at Taco Bell and get, didn't get their order right. I, in fact, I did that one time before I knew Jesus. But that's a whole nother story. But what would you do if, if Jesus insulted you? You know what she did? For the sake of her daughter, she humbled herself. She sacrificed for her daughter. She sacrificed what we would consider a, an insult to her integrity. She sacrificed for her daughter. And she says, but even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says, there it is. Great faith. Your daughter's healed. That's what I was after. I wanted to see. I was putting you to the test. Would you sacrifice for your daughter? And her daughter was healed. And that pleased Jesus. Ephesians 5.2 says, Live a life filled with love. And love isn't just some ooey-gooey feeling, is it? Where you just tell everybody you love them. Love is a verb. Love is showing people that you love them. Live a life filled with love followed, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. He gave his very life as a sacrifice for us. So I, I believe that we should learn something from his love. We need support. We need sacrifice. Anybody else remember the third one? Structure. I always look to her because she's always got the answer. She keeps me straight when I forget. We need support, sacrifice, and structure. And what in the world do I mean by structure? I mean that your family needs the support and structure of the church family. Well, you're just saying that because you're the pastor. Yep. And because it's true. You see that banner in the back? This is what God is showing us that the church does. We believe that these are the functions of the church. You came here on a Sunday morning, and hopefully by the time you leave, you will know God. You will know something about God. And in knowing God, you will love Him. And in loving Him, you will give your life to Him because you will trust Him. So you'll learn to know God at church. Hey, guess what? If you've got unbelieving members of your family, invite them to church. This is the place they come to know Him. Alright, when they begin to know Him, and they begin to listen to the word preached on Sunday or preached on Wednesday or they come to prayer on Tuesday. They begin to form a structure around their life. They begin to, to untangle that web. 
All the lies that they have believed and all the, the darkness they have entered into begins to dissipate and they begin to see clearly, oh, the light is shining. I see that I have been in error. I see that I'm leading a life that is leading not to the result that I thought. I have been chasing the lie that the devil has presented to me. And they begin to what we call find freedom. That song, freedom. There is freedom. There is freedom in knowing that you're loved, knowing that you're accepted, knowing that God has a plan for your life, which leads to the third one. When you get free from all the junk that has has entangled your mind and kept you captive and kept your focus, then you begin to realize, why am I here? And you begin to say, I have a purpose. God's love begins to show you that you are not here as an accident. That you have purpose and design. And that when you find out who you are and you begin to walk in it, that, whoo, that's what's going to make you complete. Then you begin to make a difference. And that's what the church brings into your life. <laughs> what was it Bill said? Okay, you come to church on Sunday so you can make it Monday through Saturday. Right? It's the filling station. Now, the church doesn't have all your answers, but it begins to help. If what, you, what we all need to do is we need to know who we are and what we believe. We need, to, we need to get our priorities straight. We need to put structure in our life. We need to set boundaries. I don't go, I don't do that anymore. That's not me. You know who you're not, but you know who you are. And see, you learn to pray together as a family. Family that prays together, stays together. You have the structure of God's truth, the Word of God, to help you make decisions, to stay within your boundaries. You didn't know that this was a sin, but now you know. Now you see why you've been getting results you didn't want. You begin to create structure in your family. And that's why church is here. Jesus said, I will build my church. He knew that we needed an extended family. We needed a forever family. We needed other people. Some people, your family has gone on. But no one is ever alone. As long as the body of Christ is here, the family of God. You have millions, literally billions of brothers and sisters around this world as a a support structure in your life. Now tell me, which one of you who've come here any period of time hasn't had to rely on a brother or sister here at the church? Hadn't been comforted by somebody when you're going down, down and through something. Haven't been encouraged to get back up. And oh, the joy of you being able to speak into other people's lives. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And this is the place where you can do all those things. I know it's it's the common fad to run down to church to say that I love God, but I don't love His people and I'm not saying it's easy. Am I saying this is a place full of perfect people? No, I'm saying this is a hospital where broken people reside. And we're all in some 
some measure of being repaired here. And we make mistakes and stuff. But if it was a perfect place, you'd feel out of place here, right? And so for the very thing that we run the church down is the very thing that should give us comfort that there are other people just like me. Some of the people are more jacked up than I am. Hey, we're not perfect folks. We're just forgiven folks. And we're here. We understand that. But we're a fire igniting the passionate pursuit of true purpose in your life. And we're here to help you find what God has for you. Now look, I can preach this on and on because when I first got saved, I didn't understand the value of church. I thought I was a lone ranger. I was going to start my own ministry and church was just something that, you know, I was supposed to do. But as I've grown in the church and my understanding and, and practical application of what the church means in my life, I don't know if I could survive a week without it. I mean, if I missed a Wednesday service now, I'd be cussing somebody by Thursday. <laughs> it is a filling station. It keeps your life on track. And some of you are saying, well, I don't come to church but on Easter and Mother's Day. <laughs> Maybe we have answered some questions here today. <laughs> I'll probably get cussed before I leave today. <laughs> you know what? If you lead your children to God, it greatly decreases the chance that you'll have to one day lead them to a psychiatrist. It greatly decreases the chance that one day you'll have to pick them up down there at the jailhouse. Or God forbid, the morgue. What's going on in the back there is real. And I challenge you as parents, as you leave here today and you speak with your children on the way out, you ask them, did they find out anything about Jesus? And if they didn't, you come tell me. Are y'all listening back in the back there? Tell them kids about Jesus. <laughs> But they do. They are learning and growing back there. And I see Bill with tears in his eyes right now because he knows that he is teaching them youth on Wednesday nights. And we're trying to get them everything we can. And I love this church. Not just this church. I love the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe strongly that it is our support and structure that we need to live godly lives. Our forever family. Nobody ever has to be alone here. There's people to do life with. A few more things I'm going to touch on briefly. Spend time together as a family. Turn your electronics off and actually converse with one another. Stop swiping to Facebook. You're going to have to decide. Do you want a virtual family or do you want a real one? I mean, at some point... I bet you, bet you it angers you too when you go to a restaurant and you see a whole family sitting together and they're all on their phone. You got to make time for what's important to you. 
I don't have time, Pastor. You don't know my schedule. Well, if your schedule is so that you don't have time for church, you don't have time for family, then something's out of whack in your your priority list. Something is out of whack in, in your scheduling. And you may live your whole life in error and co- only to find out that I did not put value on what was valuable. Me and my mom and my, my brother, in the last few years, we started meeting every Friday for lunch. Seems like oh, just a, a lunch. But it's helped grow our relationship. I mean, we, we had drifted apart, and we've all come back together, and, and now we're stronger, and, and we've worked through issues that would have lingered out there forever just by talking an hour on, on Fridays. You know, we all have the same 24 hours a day. You can do it. You have to just make, you just have to know what's important to you. And family should be important. We need to celebrate life together. Family should be a fun time. You should look forward to going to family reunions. <laughs> Some of you think, my family tree don't fork, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to skip over that part. <laughs> Celebrate your birthdays, your anniversaries, your achievements. Celebrate Mother's Day, holidays. It's a difficult world in which we live and always have a cause to celebrate. It makes life so much more easy. You don't think God loves celebrations? Look at the Jewish calendar. It is wrought with celebration after celebration, remembrance of what God did here, remembrance of what He did there. Traditions. Not traditions of men, but godly traditions. Good traditions. God loves traditions. Godly traditions that that bring you closer to Him and not further away. As you have seen from the pictures that we had traditions in our families. Some traditions that worked out, some that didn't. But they make your family unique. Good traditions will make your your memories special. You'll look back and you'll laugh and it'll be part of who you are and your identity as a family. Uh, About seven or eight years ago for Christmas, my mama got me one of those big Hershey kisses about this big, solid chocolate. You ever seen those? I was like, yeah, I ripped that thing on, trying to crunch on the top of it. I ate on that thing for a year. I was like, <laughs> by the end of years, about that much still left. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was tired of chocolate. The next year, she bought me another. She got my brother one. She, she figured she's going to start a tradition of getting us those big Hershey kisses every year. I looked at that thing of chocolate. I, when she wasn't looking, I chucked it behind her couch over there, you know. <laughs> the next year, my brother come back. I saw him chunk his behind the couch. We started chunking them behind the couch. A couple of years later, my mama figured it out. She had a big pile of chocolate about this. She stopped, She finally stopped giving us those Hershey kisses. Some of them work out. Some traditions do. But, but still, we had the joy of looking back. Even if it, if it doesn't work out, we tried. You tried to do something good for the family. And I, let me say this. Life has seasons. You start off and you're all close-knit family and your kids grow up and they, they're strolling all over the United States pursuing their dreams and such. And, but that's no excuse. Call mama from wherever you are. Call mama. 
Call Daddy. <laughs> Call one another. You know, just because the season has changed, God's principles have not. You just got to make them adjust. You got to adjust them to make them work with the new dynamics in the family. What was I going to say? I, something just came to me. I was going to say something about that. Oh, yeah. Some of us, our parents have gone on. Some of us, our moms are no longer with us. Thing. And that can be difficult. And, uh, we're going to pray f- for you before we leave. Because God cares. But that's one of the things that God's structure provides to our lives that we can know we will see them again. There's a story in the Bible of King Solomon. He was reported to be the wisest king. And two women came to him one day and they had a beef with one another. Pretty serious beef. One of the women said that the first woman comes to him and says, I just had a child not long ago. This other lady had a child three days later. We're sleeping in the same room. She must have rolled over on her kid or something and killed it in the night. And while I was asleep, she took her dead baby and switched it for my live baby. And when I woke up, I'm, I've got this dead baby, but I realized that that's not my baby. But now she won't give me my baby back. She's saying that's her baby. And the other lady was arguing back and forth. No, 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 it's not true. It's not true. And King Solomon thought, and he said, hmm, bring me a sword. Somebody brought a sword, and he said, cut this baby in half, and give this lady half the baby, and give this lady half the baby. Well, the first lady said, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, King, j- just let this lady have the baby. She can just have the, she can have the baby. And the king says, hmm, I see who the real mama is. Don't cut the baby in half. Give it to this first lady. She's the real mama. And do you see what that lady did? She was willing to sacrifice and let somebody else raise her child. That's what mamas do. That's the real mamas. That's what mamas do. They're willing to to be hurt. Some of you are hurt in here. I don't know why we're going this direction. But maybe somebody has stole your babies. Maybe the world has taken your babies. Maybe somebody has lied about you and stole your baby. But I want you to know that you just keep on loving, keep on trusting God. And God will bring you comfort. And in the end, All things will be revealed and you'll know and everything will be made new. Everything will be made right. And in the end, you keep sacrificing, you keep supporting, and you keep providing structure for your children and your loved ones. Honor your mother and father. That's a promise in the Bible that if you honor your mother and father, you'll live long on the earth. Don't forget the sacrifices, the support, and the structure your parents gave you. Remember the good times, the celebrations, and the family traditions. Forgive, because people can change, 
and grow. And that person that you thought never would amount to nothing, your little brother or your older sister or whatever, well, God can radically change their life and you can, you can see miracles within their life just like He's done to yours. Just keep pointing people to Jesus. That's where the truth is. That's your answer for your family. That's where the resurrection comes. The love of God in us causes us. And guess what? If you start coming to church and you say, well, I'm trying to get my family, be patient with them. It may be years before they see the change in you and recognize what's happening. It may be years before God. But God is working. He is at work. We can't change them. Boy, that should have been something I preached on right there. You can only change yourself. Now, some of you got little kids, and you can change them. You can... Some of you letting little kids run the house. <laughs> we don't go to church because my little four-year-old don't like going. <clears throat> no, you provide the structure. Just, just do what you know to do. You don't need no preacher to tell you that. You know deep down inside what the right thing to do is. You've known it all along and you fought against it. You know God loves you. You know He's the one who has a plan for your life. You know you can run from Him, but you can't hide. And you know that, that everything, that you're going to reap what you sow, and that the wages of sin is death. But with God, you have forgiveness and a fresh start. And that's what we all need. See, God wants you to be part of His family. And I think that's incredible. I think we just make a lot of these things we say about God like cliches and everybody says and we just groan thinking, well, that's just the way it is. But I'm here to tell you that a God that created this universe would look down and love us as individuals is astounding. I can't believe that if, if, I, if I really try to understand that. I don't know why. But I think it's because he loves family. And I think he wants you to be part of his. And I think he wants your family to get along and to have a fresh start and to live the way he originally intended with love and respect and support and all these things we've talked about, spending time together. God is into all this. And he's into to having that relationship with you as well. He's a good, good daddy. Our hearts should cry, Abba, Father. Not some far off God, but a, a close up holding you in his arms, daddy. Abba, Abba. The relationship he wants to have with you. I know that's amazing. That's crazy. Well, I'm this gruff, mean old guy and you don't know what I've done. You're his baby. And He still holds out hope for you. No matter where you've been and where you've hidden, you can't hide from His love. And His love is here for you today. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.